I'd like to welcome you to this webinar tonight. Our guest is Dr. Lewis Gregory of Source Ministries, based in Georgia. He'll be speaking on the topic of living from a new source. That is a topic I know dear to his heart since he has named the ministry. is with Source Ministries. We'll find out why. And so, Lewis, we thank you for speaking tonight. And I'm going to turn this on to speaker view. And God bless you as you minister to us. Okay. Thank you much. Yes, uh, great to be here with each of you tonight. Excited that we have technology that allows us to reach out all over. So here we are, and we'll enjoy the Lord together, and uh, we'll work our way through the encumbrances, and that's part of what the message of the night is all about. Uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the the ministry has its challenges, and no one's exempt. So with that in mind, I, I want us to turn to a passage that I think clearly illustrates this. It's Mark chapter 4, beginning verse 35 through 41. And we look at an account in the life of our Lord, something that we are all most familiar with, I'm sure. And it was a time on the Sea of Galilee, beginning at verse 35, Mark chapter 4. And the same day when the evening was come, Jesus said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was, in the ship. There were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he, Jesus, was in the back of the ship. He was asleep on a pillow. And so they awoke him and said unto him, Master, don't you care that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then Jesus said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, there are parallel passages in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 25. And it talks a little bit more about this. Slightly different uh, choice of words, but essentially the same story. So what we have here is an illustration of why the source is so essential. And knowing the source is so critical. And living from the source is absolutely liberating and life transforming. So what about this? Well, a number of years ago, Lou and I were on a road trip through Kansas, uh, probably in March, and uh, a winter storm came through, and we got right in the middle of it. And the roads uh, became uh, icy, and the snowflakes were huge, and, and we could barely see where we were going. And, and the next thing you know, Lou was driving, we hit a a slick spot, an ice patch, and the car began to spin round and round and round. And as it first started to spin, all we could cry out was, oh, God. Now, this is like, oh, my God. OMG is a big term nowadays. But this is a reality when you know the Lord. You call upon the name of the Lord, and he's a present help in time of need. So we cried out, oh, oh God, oh, my God. And immediately the Lord began to control that vehicle, which was out of control. It ended up spinning probably three times, landed on the other side of the road, across the lane of traffic, 
facing the oncoming traffic, but on the shoulder, on the shoulder, completely off of the main road. Within seconds, less than a minute for sure, a big semi-truck came right at us on that lane, but just missed us because we were on the shoulder. Now, that's a storm. It was a very real storm. And yet, the Lord's presence, the source of life in us, as we relied upon him, he sustained us. He got us through a tragic moment. We arrived at our destination, ministered that week. It was a glorious time. But I, I'm pointing out how quickly things change and how dramatically things change and how devastating things become. And if we know the source of life in Christ, we can live from that source in such a way that no matter what comes our way, we will be victorious. So let's look a little bit more at uh, this storm. Jesus, we saw there, as he began in that passage, he made a simple statement to the disciples. He said, let us pass over to the other side. Then, you note, they, they got Jesus and they took him, it says, they took him into the boat. They, it says they, they first sent away the multitude, of course, and then they took Jesus and they brought him into the ship. And then there were with him other little ships. That's incidental. Those are the other disciples that followed him. But the thing we want to see here is that Jesus boarded the ship. But what was happening here? Well, not too long after the wind picked up, a storm escalated. The waves became huge and crashed into the ship. And the ship was about to sink. It was filling with water. Now, these men understand Many of these disciples aboard that ship, they were seasoned fishermen. They knew the sea. They knew about storms. They had been through storms. This was no new thing. But this storm was bigger and greater and more ominous than they had ever, ever experienced before. It was terrifying. And so all of a sudden, we have these accomplished fishermen, these brave, tough men who are in a panic. In fact, one passage talks about how they were in jeopardy. That is, their lives were in danger. And so in this moment of panic, they have worked so hard to keep this ship afloat. I mean, they've got bailing parties, I'm sure. They're, they're, they're trying to get a hold of the sail and doing all the things that could possibly be done. They've got oars out, perhaps. They're working every way they can to sustain themselves in the storm. And yet, the storm intensified. Now, as seamen, they had exhausted all their efforts. They had done all they knew to do. But the storm, well, what about this storm? Well, let's think about it. It was bigger than they were. It was bigger than any storm they'd ever encountered. So this storm was beyond their human ability to overcome. Another thing about the storm is it was bigger than their ship. Their little ship was good for most conditions, but not this storm. This storm was bigger than the ship, and they were about to sink. Then there is the fact that these men, as seamen, realized we're in a desperate situation. We've got a need, and we have no solution. Now, in this mode of panic, they start to think, what can we possibly do? Well, what can you do when you're in a storm? The truth is, you can do nothing. Try it as you might, and uh, do whatever you know how to do, but in the end, 
when you encounter a storm of this magnitude, there's nothing you can do that will be effective. And these men had done the best they could. Well, where could they turn? Well, they could turn to the higher power. They could turn to Jesus Christ, the Almighty, the one who nothing is too hard for. They could turn to him. But I, I want you to think about what's going on here. As as they turn to Jesus, well, first of all, in their realization that they need something beyond themselves, I'm sure the conversation went something like this. Let's just imagine a moment. Uh, what are we going to do? We're, we're going to die. Well, wait a minute. Where's Jesus? <laughs> Where's Jesus when we need him? Now, think about your own life. You're going through a crisis and things look really bad. And it seems like God is nowhere to be found. Lord, where are you when we need you? That's how these men felt. And that's how you felt on a number of occasions. Certainly those you minister to, you counsel with, that's what they feel so often. A sense of utter loneliness, abandonment, isolation, helplessness. So one of them comes to the conclusion. We know he's got to be on board somewhere, so they form a search party. Don't have to look too far. It's not a huge ship. And they go to the back, and there he is. Well, what's he doing back there? That's where they put him. You see, when they boarded the ship, they thought they were in control. They were the master. Okay, Lord, you're good at loaves and fishes, and yeah, you give a great sermon on the mount. In fact, you're amazing, at, probably as a carpenter's son. You could do a pretty good job with some whittling of some wood and cutting boards and stuff. But we know the sea. This is our specialty. We're experts. So just kind of get back here. Yeah, that's fine. Back there in the back of the ship will be good. <laughs> now, make yourself comfortable, Lord. We've got this. How many times have you or your counselees or your people in your church thought that very same thing? But that's the misnomer. You see, when Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing, he meant it. Not one thing. There's not a single thing that you and I can do that will enable us to have a full, meaningful life. Oh, yeah, we can exist. We we can achieve great things on the human plane. But when it comes to dealing with the crisis of life, the pressures, the problems of life, nothing, not one thing are we capable of. It takes an indwelling presence and power above and beyond ourselves to enable us. To walk victorious in life. So they're, they're, they're in amazement. And what was Jesus doing when they found him? Well, you remember, of course, he was asleep. <laughs> can you imagine the shock? Jesus, how can you be asleep at a time like this? We can barely, we can barely hang on and you're back there just snoozing away. What's the deal here? What's going on? You know, he was sending them a message. He was sending them a message. Notice he's asleep in the midst of a storm. In the midst of a storm. Cool, calm, and collected would be an understatement for our Lord. But he was asleep. Now let's think back about him, this thing about the storm and the sea and how it all began. Notice what Jesus said in verse 35. He said, let us pass over to the other side. He led them into a storm. You know, sometimes we wonder, Lord, why, how could you let this happen to me? I'm your, I'm your child. I've been trusting you. I've been obeying you. And then others would say, well, there must be sin in your life. Surely there's something wrong with you. Or perhaps the Lord's trying to teach you a lesson. 
We have a friend, and she was just walking through a parking lot just a few days ago, stumbled and fell, and broke her arm in two places. Just devastating. So, her well-meaning friends, through various teachings she heard, had caused her to have to face those same two questions. Is there some sin in my life? Well, of course, there's always that possibility. Or is it perhaps the Lord's trying to teach me a lesson? Not necessarily so on either case. It could be. It might be. So what? The reality here is in all your ways, acknowledge him. Jesus, you are Lord in my life. You are in control of my life. I trust you with the circumstance of my life. Don't sit around beating yourself up about a possible sin that you might have committed. If you have, guess what? The Holy Spirit who loves you is glad to point out anything that would hinder and quench him in your life. He'll tell you. That's his job. He'll let you know. And as far as lessons learned, well, the Spirit, again, is our teacher. And if we need to know, he'll tell us. But don't go into this thinking there must be something I need to learn or something I didn't know or I shouldn't have, I should have already known or something. We don't have condemnation in Christ. Romans 8 makes that clear. So don't be drawn into that. Don't let your counselees go there. So in the case of the lady with a broken arm, after she's telling me all this, I said, well, you know, I can see how there might be sin in your life and certainly the spirit would show you. And yes, there might be a lesson to be learned, but look, Just relax. Draw upon the Lord's presence, his comfort, his peace. Trust him to restore your bones of your arm through doctors, whatever means he chooses. Trust him to be your healer. But don't get all caught up in all the things of the what ifs I could have, should have done and and all the things I maybe didn't know or, or did wrong. Just let the Lord work you through that. But mainly enjoy him and draw upon him and worship him and Just rest in him. Just rest in him. This is a life of rest. So don't toil and strain about trying to figure stuff out. The disciples didn't need to try to figure out what what they should or could have done. They just needed to turn to Jesus. And even in the process, I'm amazed at what they did. (laughs) They admonished the Lord. Can you imagine? Here they are about to drown. And the first thing they're doing is saying, Lord, you don't even care. You don't even care. But see, that's the devil's lie. Don't buy into that. Does Jesus care? Of course he cared. Look how quickly he responded. He just immediately got up, bam, in a word. Rebuked the wind, spoke to the sea, the waves calmed down, and they arrived at their destination on the other side. That's God's way. What is happening here? Jesus is showing the disciples who he is. Look at that last, as they concluded this. Verse 41, they said, what manner of man is this? Who is this person that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, think about it. What has Jesus done? He's just shown them this is who you're dealing with. I'm no mere man. I'm not just some brilliant prophet. I'm not just somebody that preaches some good sermons on the mount or even a miracle worker. No, I am the son of God. I am the almighty. And the wind and the waves, yes, they obey me. In fact, everything obeys me. Why was Jesus asleep? (laughs) Because he saw the end from the beginning. He told him, we're going to the other side. He didn't just say, I'm going. It's not what you see, think, or feel that matters. 
So when you're counseling people, you've got to get the focus off the circumstances and the adversities of their life and onto the one who is the Almighty. And when you hear Jesus, and as he spoke to them, he said, we're going to the other side. That's It's a done deal. It's going to happen. Now, does that mean you're going to have a smooth road? No, not necessarily. They went through a storm. It was intense. They felt it. They they were conscious of it. Their bodies ached from the toil. And yet, Jesus got them through the storm. He got them through the storm. This is who he is. This is what he does. So as you minister to people, you need to get their focus off the circumstances. Yeah, of course, they're real. And yes, we feel them. So we're not talking about denial here. We're talking about dealing with them by the only way possible, which is looking to Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. We look to him. We look away from the stuff and we look to the one who will always make a difference. We look to him. We look to him. Hmm. You know, in my own life, I had to come to this same situation. We all have a universal need. The universal need is our flesh is weak. Yeah, and my spirit was willing. For 10 years as a Christian, I was real zealous for the Lord. I studied the Bible, went to church. You know, I, I read read my Bible, memorized scriptures. I tithed, I prayed. I mean, I, I did a lot of good stuff for the Lord. I was busy working around the church, always finding some project. But in all those 10 years, the more I progressed age-wise, and the more I learned from the Word, the more overwhelmed I became. And just how defeated I was. It was an inward thing. I realized what Jesus meant when he focused on the attitudes in the book of Matthew, Beatitudes. Because I realized my actions looked great. All my friends, my leaders in the church, they were all impressed. But I knew my attitudes were not as they could be and should be. And I knew that my faith was weak. You know, Jesus talks to them about this in, in the storm story here. And he says, he asked them, why are you so fearful? And then, how is it you have no faith? No faith. Now, they had faith. <laughs> now, that's why in the other passage, he talks about it as little faith. But in reality, the faith they had was really no faith because it did them no good. You see, their faith was in their strength as semen, in their physical ability, their intellectual knowledge and understanding. There, there's their faith was in that ship, its seaworthiness as a craft. Their faith was in the fact they had done this before and they had always survived. There was their faith, but not in the only one that mattered, Jesus Christ. And so when they came to him, he said, why are you afraid? Well, they were afraid because their faith was in the wrong place. Fear is a normal human experience. We all go through it. And it's because we sense our need. We sense our inadequacy. We sense an awareness of a problem, and we know we have no solution. So we're afraid because we're out of control, and life's out of control. And therefore, rightly so, we should be afraid. But Jesus says, you can reverse all that. Just put your faith in me. And faith in Christ, the Almighty, banishes fear and replaces it with peace. And suddenly they experienced peace, even as he spoke to the wind and the waves. Peace be still. So he speaks to your troubled soul. And to those whom you minister, he wants to bring peace to their lives. He is the peacemaker 
for good reason. But in my life, I was defeated and struggling. And so finally, after so much defeat and in such despair and really consumed with guilt and condemnation, I fell before the Lord in brokenness and in sheer desperation, like these men that day on that Sea of Galilee, I cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, I've tried to make you Lord. You see, making Jesus Lord was what I was taught. That was kind of popular at the time that I was coming through the ranks. And so (laughs) making Jesus Lord became an impossible task. And yet I kept trying harder and harder and harder. And finally, as I was got pretty quiet and I was just in desperation and prayed, and I said, Lord, I can't make you Lord. And then I got still, and, and he brought to my mind Psalm 4610, be still. And just know, be still and just know that I am Lord. I am God. I am. And then he, in his own loving way, in my thoughts, just relax, he said. (laughs) Just relax. You can't make me Lord. I already am Lord. I am Lord. That's what he showed the disciples on the sea that day. He showed them he is Lord. He is Lord of all. Your situation Every situation, he is Lord. That means he's in control of it. He's He's greater than it. He has the power to take care of it. He is Lord. <laughs> he is the supreme one. And so what a relief as I just relaxed and said, okay, Lord, I give up. I refuse to try anymore. I just refuse to try anymore. See, the Christian life is simple. We try to make it complicated so often. And Jesus just wants us to give up and let him do what he came to do. He was in me, but I didn't realize it. And remember the disciples as they looked for Jesus? But he was already in the ship. He was right there, available to them. And they didn't recognize him. They didn't think they needed him. They certainly were not aware of his presence and power. And yet I had to come to that same realization. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Colossians 1.27. Wait, we know that verse, but what does it really mean? It means Christ is in me now. He is in me in the crisis. He is in me in the fire. He is in me in the flood, in the storm. He is in me. And because he is in me, I'm one with him. And he will never, never leave me, nor forsake me. Hebrews 13.5. He's not about to abandon ship. He's the captain of the ship. The captain, as we all know in in a nautical uh, world, the captain doesn't abandon the ship. He goes down with the ship if need be. There's a commitment by the captain to his crew, to his ship. And Jesus is the captain. And he is here for the duration. He is for you. He's not against you. He's not going to leave you. And he will never, ever forsake you. So what does that mean? It means you can trust him with your life. You see, some of the times we're having these fears. Some of the times we're having these struggles because we've trusted him with things, a problem here, a need there. But notice Peter. Now, he was he was the chief captain of the crew as they made their journey across the Sea of Galilee in that storm. And yet later we find this account, First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. And notice what he says, cast all your care upon me because I care for you. You see, he got the message. That day on that Sea of Galilee in that storm, he realized all I have to do is cast all my cares upon Jesus because, yes, he does care for me. He is here. 
and he wants to take care of me. You know, I can see Jesus as they're asking the question. I can just imagine him thinking, you know, of course I care for you. Why am I here? I want to take care of you, but you've just got to let me. Just let me. Visualize Jesus as he stood with arms stretched out over Jerusalem and he wept. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have poured my life out for you. How often I would have taken you in my arms and embraced you and comforted and protected and provided for you. But you wouldn't let me. You see, whether it's out of doubt or fear, unbelief, whether it's bad life experiences from father or mother or some authority figure, whatever the reason, in the end, we've got to get over that. And our counseling and our ministry to others can encourage them to get beyond the negatives of others to see our Lord is not like that. Our Heavenly Father, our Abba Father, Daddy God is not like that. He's here to take us and make us what he wants us to be, the best we can be. This is good news. It's good news, good news, good news. So let's think about these storms. Let's let's conclude this way. As the storms come into your life, as they come into the life of those whom you minister, counselees, flock of a church, whatever it might be, these are God's appointment for you. Not to run from them, not to think God must be mad at me because he let something bad happen to me, but simply to see if this is part of life. In a broken, fallen world, a sin-impregnated world, these kind of things happen. And so as they happen, Instead of running from them or getting angry with God or hiding as Adam and Eve did behind the bush, run to him. Call upon him. Sooner the better. Instantly acknowledge him in your ways. He will direct your paths, but it's got to be an instantaneous response to him. Living in that Christ consciousness of his abiding presence. God's appointment. That Christ is with you even in the storm. So they also are God's way of convincing you of your need of him, not just when things get rough, but all the time, in every detail of every moment of every day. That's what it means to be led of the Spirit. It means every moment trusting him. Walking by faith is a moment by moment, step by step. As we do, he will lead, he will guide, he will provide. And then another thing about these storms It's a way for you to be anchored into Christ so that you become steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. So that when the next storm comes, you're not going to be rocked or knocked or shaken or or, or breaking or whatever because you know Christ is in me. So pause. Wait a minute. Lord, you're in me. You're in this storm. And you're going to get me through this. This is a conscious realization of what it means to acknowledge him. Lord, you're in me. You're in the storm. And you will get me through this. That's walking by faith. That's looking to Jesus. Romans 8.37, in all these things, all these things, more than a conqueror. We don't have to try to be a conqueror. <laughs> we are more than a conqueror. Jesus has won the victory, and our privilege is to reap the spoils. Jesus is overcome, and our privilege is to rest in him as he goes before us and makes every crooked way straight, every high place low. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. This is the message you have to offer to those to whom you minister, and this is your privilege to bear truly good 
news. Let me pray here before we. Lord, uh, thank you for this time with my brothers and sisters. Uh, we just praise you that uh, your grace is sufficient is more than just some nice little pat answer. It is a glorious reality because your presence in us, your power to work through us, always, always is more than enough. And we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness that you began a good work in us and you will perform it. Thank you, Lord, that even the storms are a reminder that you're bigger than the storm. And yes, you led those disciples into the storm so that they could see that you are Lord of all. So they could see that they were trusting in other stuff, not totally trusting you. And they had to redirect their faith and focus their faith upon you and you alone. And yes, Lord, you did get them all to the other side. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We thank you so much, Dr. Gregory Lewis, my friend and mentor. And uh, we've seen here in this passage from Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 35 to 41, timeless principles. And Lewis shared his personal spiritual life testimony. And I know that there's so many biblical insights that, that we gleaned. And I know uh, this will be a tremendous uh, recording to share with others as well. One of the Sound bites I wrote down was that we need to live in Christ consciousness, um, aware of his abiding presence in our life. How encouraging and how relevant. I just wanted to also mention that if you're looking for a really good Christ-centered Bible study book, uh, Lewis Gregory's book, Introducing the New You, The Ultimate Makeover, tremendous volume. And so that is available from their their website, uh, which is sourceministries.net. Also there, as you look at resources, you'll see a booklet called My 23, uh, which is about uh, the wonderful 23rd Psalm from a New Testament perspective. Isn't it great to know the Lord is our shepherd? Another picture we've seen that he's in the boat in times of crisis. We can turn to him, trust him to live through us. He's also our good shepherd. He also has a book called In Search of Godly Leadership. And as we've gone through the COVID crisis, still going through it, Churches uh, are struggling, and, and Christian leaders are, are feeling like those disciples, just swamped uh, with uh, insurmountable problems. How we need the lesson of this Bible study and how we need uh, the wisdom of godly leadership. Those are just some of the resources there. And let me also mention that a wonderful um, Bible study that Lewis and his wife Lou send out on Mondays is a TGIM. We hear uh, people talk about TGIF, thank thank God it's Friday, uh, but this is about Mondays. And it comes out of Mondays, good news for your week. And if you go to sourceministries.net, uh, you can see those uh, the opportunity to get that in your email and be blessed by that. So once again, on behalf of all of us, uh, Louis, thank you for sharing tonight. Lou, uh, thank you for your ministry there with your husband at Source Ministries. And uh, we will continue this meeting after the recording concludes for some fellowship and discussion. Thank you so much for joining us for this Bible study. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you.